Welcome to Inside Groove, the only motorsports show where super modifieds are king, methanol is aromatic, and the drivers carry their balls in a bag. Inside Groove is powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Here's your host and fellow superholic, Race Chaser Media's Tom Baker. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Inside Groove. This is episode 49, and uh, that one was a hard one for me. I guess you can call it the Bob Garvey edition. You could also call it the Ron Graves edition, since he took over for Garvey uh, for a little while in the 49 after Bob got out of it. And I think before that, we had Chuck Partello in the mid-70s, I think was a 49 car, and I think... uh, even you can go back to Sheila Hayes, the um, first female supermodified competitor, which I think late 60s, early 70s in that area. Um, I think she was 49 as well. Feel free to add to that uh, in the comments if anyone else comes up with. Oh, and Dave Schulich Jr. too, uh, or Dave Schulich Sr. for a while was 49, I think. So uh, there's another one. Uh, so again, and I think Jr. now, uh, I don't know if he's ever run his 49 at a Swigo. Maybe uh, uh, Cam, do you? Uh, we've got Camden Proud with us to start the show, the PR director and uh, 2019 Super Modified Rookie of the Year at the Fast Five Ace. Cam, do you remember if Dave Jr. has actually run as 49? I know I don't know that he's ever run the Stout Car as 49 in a classic, has he? No, I think he might have run the Acme car as 49 at a Swiggo. Okay, so, all right, so there was, uh, I knew there was one uh, that may have been a possibility back in, back a few years, but, uh, all right, so there's a... I'm texting him right now, I'll ask him. Oh, there you go. (laughs) Well, there's a handful for you to start with, so uh, if anyone else has a bigger brain than me, and I know there are people out there like Mike Silliman whose brains are twice the size of mine when it comes to this stuff. Uh, Feel free to contribute, because that's what makes this fun. Welcome to this week's show. This is the pre-Indie Summer National Show. We'll talk about that uh, as we roll forward here, but I wanted to start with Camden this this week and uh, get an update on what's going on at Oswego. I'm seeing some new registrations. I'm seeing... uh, We've got people registering for test sessions that have been set up. Uh, we are going to have cars on the track. There is forward progress. But here's the $64,000 question, Camden Proud. What do we know that we didn't know last week in terms of whether or not we are going to see action, real racing action, at the Oswego Speedway on the 4th of July? <laughs> well, not a lot more than we than we knew last week, but it is looking very promising um, again, all the plans, everything we're going to be doing has been submitted to our officials, and we are waiting for final confirmation. We should have that by no later than Monday, June 29th, and at that point, <laughs> or hopefully sooner, we'll make a final announcement. So cutting it very close, unfortunately, it's it's uh, it's too bad. We have to play our cards this way, but uh, we'll just keep pushing forward and, and hope for the best. Write your uh, travel plans in pencil, folks. Uh, it's it's going to be close, but hopefully uh, the, the everything can uh, fall into place for a swigger to open on the 4th. Uh, but in the meantime, the good news is that we're going to get some cars on the track for practice. Now, um, fans not going to be allowed to come out and watch, unfortunately, but... Um, the fact that there are cars on the track at all is progress. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, when are these practices now, and let's go through kind of who's going to be on the track over the course of each practice day that you know of at this point uh, on the 18th of June, which is a Thursday. Sure. Uh, we'll, we'll walk through each of them one by one. Friday the 19th, we originally had one scheduled and nobody signed up, so that is canceled. Uh, beyond that, the next few weeks, we have about two dozen different drivers that are signed up for practice time beginning Saturday, 620 from 10 to 2. Okay. And that is Jack Patrick, Brandon Bellinger, Vern Lefebvre, and Norm McLeod on Saturday from 10 to 2. I guess it's actually Tom McLeod. Norm yeah. and Tom have both driven. One session says Tom, one says Norm. Maybe they'll both drive. They'll both I don't know. be in it. Yeah. There you no go. No idea. But they uh, actually, those guys are coming all the way from out in Buffalo and and Tom is a former late model track champion, I believe, at Lancaster. Yeah, so he has a right. lot of experience. Well, I think I think Norm has raced before too, if I remember correctly. Um, I just don't. Yeah. I don't remember. Uh, and I and I almost want to say 
And I was I thought of this the other day. I think there was a guy named Dave McLeod at one point, if I'm not mistaken, and I surely could be at this point, that raced in the modified division. Um, but I, I don't quite remember um, if that it's accurate, but it seemed like there was a McLeod that ran in the modified class too at one point. So um, maybe uh, I'll be able to reach out to those guys at some point. We'll get them on the show. I'd love to do that anyway. Um, and we'll we'll figure out uh, if my brain's playing tricks on me. And it could be because I'm getting there in, in age. Uh, so uh, good to see that um, that they'll be up. And, and I know, you know, they, they got out uh, last year. And uh, I think it was a little bit later toward maybe mid-season before they brought the car out, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think they had a full season last year with that car, so hopefully um, they'll, the practices will help them dial it in a little further and kind of uh, I'd love to see that car up front running for wins for sure. Yeah, that would be awesome. I think that overall they did a pretty good job with it the oh, end yeah. of last year with, with very little seat time. And, yeah, you mentioned the modifieds. I know Norm ran modifieds. Maybe that Tom was Norm. Okay. Models. Okay. Yeah. Maybe yep. it was Norm I was thinking of. Um, and then Ron. Ron is the uncle, Well, yeah, Ron, of course, uh, yeah, from my youth, uh, Ron was a great guy. I, I mean, he just, um, Ron had a great personality, and I used to love to watch him drive because he would get the most out of any car he ever drove. He drove for Jimmy Sewell and drove for Ralph McLaughlin for a little bit and Hermie Graff, and um, I think he was in the four car a time or two. Um, he was one of those guys that kind of um, – periodically would just jump in somebody else's car. Uh, I don't know if you ever got in the Sweet 16 or not, but um, but Ron was just a great guy. And, um, you know, it's again, it's great to see the family back at Oswego and, and seeing the 81. That last car that, um, that Ron had um, was actually like a, a, a 60s Indy car chassis. I mean, it was, that car was old um and obviously didn't have much horsepower ron was just he was having a good time it was an old gordy duke's car that gordy had some success with and um but i used to love that blue 81 and and i think the last one to drive it if i remember right was actually don haas on a classic weekend and i'm not sure if ron was running for someone else at that time or um just maybe put don in it uh, for whatever reason but i think i remember something happened and don stopped up in turn one during a pre-time trial practice session and um and i i don't think uh, i think whatever it was the steering or whatever that broke um put them out and that, i think that was the last time we ever saw the car so you know some of those cars like that those are the ones you'd, you'd love to be able to preserve and who knows whatever happened to it but um would, it's just great to see that family back much like the miller family the mcleod family is uh a big part of the 1970s at uh, at Oswego, and um, great to see them coming back for another season. And again, um, part of what's making that 350 class grow. And uh, you know, happy to see, uh, happy to see that for for that division. So cool. That's uh, what else do we know in terms of who's doing what and when and where and and uh, read us the list, man. Sure, I'll just run through all these practice sessions. Uh, Friday, June 26th will be the next one after Saturday. That's another four to eight. Uh, we'll just go car by car. Double zero, super modified, Joe Gozik. 04, SBS, Mike Bruce. 05, super modified, Jeff Abled. 08, 350, Dalton Doyle. 14, SBS, Mark Denny Jr. 15, super modified, Michael Muldoon. 23, SBS, Steve Flack. 50, SBS, Dave Cliff. And 72-350, Mike Bruce. That is the 26th from 4 to 8. Saturday, the 27th from 4 to 8. We also have you know, 10 cars there, so that's a pretty full weekend. Yeah. And we'll go through this one. 01, SBS, Ken Moody. 7, Super Modified, Otto Sitterly. 32, SBS, Rob Bruce. 33, SBS, Matt Germain, couple of rookies. 39, Super Modified, Allison Slode. 52, Super Modified, Dave Danzer. 77, SBS and 350, Cameron Rowe. 81, 350, Tom McLeod. 95, Super Modified, Dave Schulich Jr., who just texted me back, and he said he ran the 49 twice for Stouts 
Classic weekend. There he we got go. fifth and third. There we go. It wasn't the current car. The fifth was an orange Graves car. The third was a white extreme car, both 49. Okay. So there we go. I, I had a feeling that he might have done that. And it's one of those things where my brain automatically wants to start with the 60s and 70s. And it, and it gets to the 80s and 90s and 2000s eventually is kind of how that works when I'm doing that number <laughs> game. And and that's why all of a sudden the, the purple 49 that, that um, Dave Sr. put on the pole, the old Sternberg car um, that, that he put on the front row for 82 i believe it was classic uh that jumped into my mind and then i thought well i think i think juniors may have run a car as 49 as well so there's there's confirmation both schulix ran 49 cars at the speedway um so we got that mystery solved so that that's a healthy list for that day and again some interesting um you know it's it, it it's kind of it's good to see Michael Muldoon wanting to get some early Oswego practice in. That's obviously a sign that he plans to either start the season there or at least run there during the year, which is something that had been talked about. And I think, you know, unfortunately, uh, gosh, one of the, the, the things that uh, has happened over this last week, just here in the last day or two, Jacasa uh, having to cancel their ISMA show because of the issues with the border being closed uh, for an extended period of time here still. And so, you know, for someone like Michael, who was planning to run, I think, a some sort of a mix of Isma and Oswego, there's one less Isma show. And I think Isma is just going to have, gosh, I, I I feel bad for them because it, it's like New England is slow to open up and, and you got all these issues with Canada and um, I don't know. Their uh, their schedule is just um, what started out as a schedule that I thought was great for the Isma tour. Um, man, through no fault of their own, it's just not happening right now. So, um, yep. maybe Michael will, uh, that'll put him maybe at uh, a swiggle more than maybe he would have ordinarily been had Isma been able to run their full season. Well, I think it certainly will. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Michael ran the full Oswego season. Um, I mean, at this point, we're looking at the high miler for the, the Isma opener. Yeah. And then after that, there's only actually, you know what? There's no races that conflict with the Swiggo anymore, none. So, yeah, he could he could essentially run both full seasons at this point. You'd have the Lee a Swiggo weekend Friday Saturday, but that's the only one that even comes close to being a conflict. Well, I hope that uh, well, and he's got a couple of cars, so um, yeah, you know that wouldn't be a a big deal um, if he wanted to do it. Uh, it's it's logistically possible, and you know, let's just hope that Isma gets um so the the let's hope Isma gets the rest of their shows in. I mean, this is just uh, wow. Um, I know it. it's, it's crazy. Yeah, it is, and and it, and again, you know, things that you don't think about because obviously, when all of this first happened, you. You know, you're thinking about your own situation, your own town, your own area, and you think about Oswego, and then you don't really, unless you're directly affected by it, you don't think so much about the border being closed. Well, that's a big deal for Super Modifieds and really uh, a lot of New England racing because um, the ACT Tour, Pass North, I mean, a lot of those those series that are New England-based either have Canadian drivers that come across to race with them, as Oswego has a couple, and Isma certainly has a number of, of drivers and, and owners. Um, but, you know, obviously some of the shows, like, for example, with Jucasa with the Isma Tour, are in Canada. So um, that creates a whole set of problems that, you know, kind of go over and be and above what, your, what the issues with your local track getting open are. So um, that's too bad. Uh, hopefully things will get better very quickly and hopefully we'll see some of the isma guys uh headed west to indy this weekend um would love to see some great participation there but let's keep going with this we go um let's see we did what what did we just do friday the 26th is that the one you just read uh we did the 26th and the 27th Saturday, and we okay. have july 3rd as well so talk about july 3rd who's in on the third to practice already uh, another four to eight session zero super modified tim snyder Otto and Allison again, 11 super modified Eric Iosu, and then the 18 SBS, Andrew Shartner and Brian Sobas are both going to be practicing. Okay, so that'll be the night before the opener. Let's just let if we keep if we keep saying it enough, maybe uh, maybe it'll happen. Uh, the night before <laughs> the opener <laughs> will be when those guys will practice. Now, 
Uh, you told me earlier that Doug Didero's got a couple of days of track rental with the uh, the three car, right? That week, right? Yep, Wednesday and Thursday from four to eight, he has two private track rentals, so eight hours of track time for the three car. So uh, yeah, they uh, they obviously have some things they want to try because they're uh, <laughs> they're basically not sharing with anybody. So um, <laughs> he's known for his track rentals. Yeah, um, so uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, all of that. And you know, again, uh, it's this is good because we're starting to see some on track activity, and that's the first. The first step, obviously, of course, fans can't participate, unfortunately, but I know that you're going to be all over it with all of your coverage. When are you planning on practicing? Obviously, you're going to get out before uh, the the theoretical open around the 4th, right? Yeah, we will. Um, We're starting to really get things together now. I'm going to go out and get the hauler tonight and start uh, organizing and just getting things ready to go. Um, At this point, we we pretty much have everything we need, just going to get the car on the ground and and take care of all that business, scaling and and the usual stuff like that. But um, I would say we'll probably practice next Saturday, Um, maybe go up and fire the car next week at least, but definitely practice the third or or, um, I think the third is going to be really filled up. I think there might even be a 10 to 2. We're probably just going to keep adding sessions as we go. So really – um, anything from next weekend beyond is, is on the table for us. Hopefully we can get a few in. That's a, yeah, that's, I was going to ask you about that because I'm sure you probably got more interest in what you have available time, because again, you're still having to limit the, the, uh, participation at each session due to social distancing and such. So, um, you can, uh, if you add a session or two, then it gives more people an opportunity. Um, and so far, I, I haven't heard, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I haven't heard so far that anybody's signed up for more than one, or is that something that at this point, because of the limited availability, are you not allowing that? Uh, no, we're allowing it. Uh, Otto and Allison are in two sessions. Oh, okay. Sorry, I missed and that. And McLeod is, and... Um... I think that we'll have more guys that do that. It's just right now what it is is uh, 10 cars per session. Yeah. It's eight people per car, including the driver, and face masks are mandatory. And it sucks. you got to sweat in your face mask. I mean, I, I get it, but I guess we just need everybody's cooperation if we want to do this, so they are, they are going to be mandatory. Yeah. But, it's, um... Um, yeah, 10 cars per session, and there's going to be plenty of, plenty of track time, ample track time for – Anybody that wants to do it, any of these days, we already have a four to eight. If we get 10 cars, we'll do a 10 to two. And the the days that Didero's practicing, we can do a 10 to two in the morning. We can do a four to eight Monday and Tuesday opening week. So they're going to do whatever it takes to get people the track time they need. Okay. So if you're a driver uh, or a team owner and you're out there and you say, well, gosh, uh, you know, how do I sign up and, and, and practice, um, uh, what's the procedure and you know if you have one or two guys that you know want to practice at some point um does that automatically open up another session that um you know that they could fall into and then you just keep adding to that session is that kind of how you're doing it essentially yeah uh right now um we we have 10 cars already for i think it's next saturday and okay. we've started a waiting list there's one car on it brandon ballinger i think wants to practice um again so what what we're going to end up doing i think is we'll see what happens with the waiting list and if we can get another car um another car two or three we'll we'll add a 10 to 2 session uh the following saturday it's kind of hard to justify doing a whole other session for one car but we're going to we're going to have a lot more than I think just branded on a waiting list. Yeah. So. I, I, that's what I was wondering how many would have to be on that list before you'd actually open up uh, another session for him to probably three. Yeah. So uh, that, and, and now, you know, on a, obviously Brandon practicing the, uh, the old direct car is a bit of a, um, a surprise, something we, we thought, was going to happen last year that uh, Trevor may get in that car a few times and seeing him um, seeing that they've actually gotten it together and they're actually going to practice with it. um, That's, that would be pretty cool to see. We've seen Jared and unfortunately his time didn't end well. That ended with a very hard crash. Um, And uh, it'll be interesting to see now the third Bellinger son, um, youngest one, Trevor, getting into a car at some point uh, during the season. Um, 
you know, again, adds a car to the field and, you know, the Bellinger family, one of the, uh, you know, the first families of the Oswego Speedway. Uh, I think we would all agree on that. And so uh, seeing another Bellinger on the track is going to be pretty cool. Trevor's uh, run go-karts and such out back, but uh, hasn't ever uh, had any track time as far as I know in anything else. So, um, you know, be be neat to see him uh, get out there and give it a shot. Yeah, I forgot that he runs the go-karts. It's uh, another Cartway graduate. That's uh, kind of missed that. Uh, I was talking to Phyllis today, and um, Trevor was supposed to, I think, get in the car this weekend, actually, oh, okay. and, and shake it down. But Brandon's going to warm it up for him, and he says he's going to be following online, keeping track of things, and wants me to make sure <laughs> I do Facebook Live. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's funny. Another Cartway graduate moving up to the Supers. It's, it's insane, the – the number of rookies and just, you know, returning families, some familiar faces, and also new people we've brought in this year. It's, it's really an interesting mix between all three classes, and um, it's nice that that feeder system, that's what it was designed to do, is is at least still working out to some degree. We're getting a lot of Cartway guys in the SBS class and a few in the Supers, and uh, that's that's nice to hear. Well, and it's it's interesting that when you think about it, that if that the Bellinger family, you know, you had obviously Eddie Senior, Ed Senior, that uh, raced back in the in the sixties, um, and then Eddie Junior getting into it by buying a Todd Gibson car. It's like if you're gonna, you know, if you're gonna, if it's it's it was kind of go big or go home. I feel like uh, when 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 Eddie did that, it, it, you couldn't ask for a better car to start in. And then um, you know, Brandon, of course, uh, getting the opportunity for a different car owner at the time, um, and then coming over to Durat, and then uh, you know, eventually. Uh, having the situation that they have now. And then um, now uh, you you had Jared in the car that the Bellingers built a while back that Brandon ran for a while, ran Isma with. And, you know, finally now you'll have Trevor. So um, at this point, Trevor was Trevor came out of the go-karts. He was the only one that, that I know of out of the whole Bellinger line that had any previous experience before he showed up at Oswego in in the Super. So so Trevor comes in at least with a little bit of experience in the go-karts, and that's sort of weird saying that about a Bellinger. Um, that is weird. But, uh, you know, it's just, it again, this is uh, the feeder system works, as you say, and, um, you know, they're all great guys, uh, the Bellinger sons, and, and Trevor uh, Trevor's a lot of fun. I've spent some time talking with him over the years, and he's just a lot of fun, and I, and I, you know, I think it's great that he's going to get out there and do that. And you're right. It's good to see um, good to see the the mixed participation in some of these classes, uh, not only from the carts, but you know the different family lines, like we talked about the McLeods, for example. Um, you know the Millers. I mean, all every every one of those uh, generational families. It's it's fun to see that still kind of you know being at times that you'll see a new McLeod, a new Miller, uh, you know, a new Bellinger. You're you're still seeing a continuation of that, um, even as we go into 2020, which is pretty awesome. So, um, okay, so what did we miss in terms of um, information on practices? Uh, you know, anything that we haven't covered here? I know there were there have been a few new registrations. Most of them are guys that we. We already knew we're, we're going to race. Uh, I saw Keith Champagne this morning uh, or yesterday registered, and so um, saw that one go up. It uh, it seems like we're we're getting there. It's just some of the guys are just getting around to making it formal. Yep, exactly. Uh, we're getting there. A few more official registrations have popped in. We've gotten Mike Bruce and, and Cameron Rowe in the SBS and the 350s, both commitment. Brad Haynes, a commitment in the SBS. And also in the 350s, which I was surprised to see, was Ralph Clark with the number five. So that was kind of a out-of-nowhere kind of thing. Ralph Clark, wow. So Ralph's going to run as a 350. That That's interesting, and I honestly think that's probably um, a great decision for him at this point with that car that he's got. I think so, yeah. It's the it's the same car he's had that he, he ran with a big block way back in yeah. the 90s. And, um the the whole family, Matt Germain, um, who is Roger and Ralph's nephew, 
and both Roger and Ralph plan to race this year, so it'll kind of be a family affair going on. Wow, very nice. And one in each class. Yeah, that's going to be great. Well, um, you know, again, I, I love it. I love seeing that, and the 350s have made possible uh, for some folks the opportunity to race a super modified even if it's a small block super they've 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 had the uh, they've now gotten the opportunity to do that at a much more affordable price than you know trying to uh, run with the big blocks and so um that's opened up uh the the opportunity to see some of these older cars come back and the guys still have a chance to race and enjoy themselves and have fun and be competitive and that's really what uh you know that that's really what it what what it's about in that division. So that's pretty cool. Okay, so uh, of course you're going to keep us uh, up to date throughout the weekend, this coming weekend, about uh, what's going on with the testing, and um, you know I'll be out uh, in Indy, and uh, we can look forward to each other's coverage. I guess um, absolutely. You know the whole idea for you and I this weekend, I guess, is to do the very best job we can of keeping the super modified fans whipped up into a frenzy about all the stuff that's going on with super modifieds on the track finally this weekend and um i don't know what the weather's supposed to be like up there but uh boy at indy it's uh <laughs> or low 90s and sun like oh boy um Whew. yeah at uh this this indy summer nationals being brought to you by a hair dryer i think uh <laughs> it's uh it's definitely going to be a hot one out in the midwest but um I'll take that, honestly, just to see cars on the track. So, um, Camden, look forward to uh, getting back together next week and uh, finding out and discussing all of the events of this weekend and what's new. And, uh, boy, I hope I hope by next week, maybe, you know, if we just, like I said, if we just keep saying July 4th, July 4th, July 4th, maybe by next week we'll get some good news um, and we'll be able to say definitively that uh, we're going to celebrate Independence Day with some super modified fireworks. I sure hope so. Fingers crossed. It's uh, it's looking good. It's it's looking good. That's all I can say. All right. That's uh, Camden Proud. We appreciate uh, Camden, as always, uh, being a part of the show. We're going to uh, step aside and be back with more of Inside Groove right after this. Is your job sucking the life out of you? Wake up. You can do something else. Information technology. I know what you're thinking, but I'm not a math or science person. No excuses. No problem. It's not rocket science. It's my computer career. Helping people start an IT career is their thing. If you don't absolutely love what you do, go to mycomputercareer.edu and take the free career evaluation today. You can start your new life as an information technology professional in as little as four months. Attend classes on campus or live online just two or three times a week to get what you'll need to start your new career. More than just a school, My Computer Career helps you get into the industry by working with hundreds of employers that hire their students. My Computer Career is nationally accredited and financial aid is available for those who qualify, including the GI Bill. Classes start soon, so go take the career evaluation now at mycomputercareer.edu. Mycomputercareer.edu. That's mycomputercareer.edu. Welcome back to Inside Groove as we move into what is for this show, the 49th show, our final segment. We're going to keep this show rather brief um, because, of course, I fly out uh, about uh, 9 o'clock on Friday morning. And as I'm recording this segment, it is actually almost 11 o'clock Thursday evening. (laughs) This is how I have to do things sometimes because obviously uh, other work gets in the way sometimes of putting a show together in the proper order. So uh, recorded Cam's segment uh, this morning and this final segment being done this evening. And there are a couple of things I would like to accomplish with this segment. First of all, I would like to just remind everybody that lap sponsorships for this Saturday's Indy Summer Nationals, the Super Modified portion, are still available. And again, all of the money goes straight into the purse. Um, I don't get any of it. Uh, Mike Moore doesn't get any of it. This is all going straight to the purse. This will be the first super modified race of 2020. And we would like to be able to uh, offer the drivers as much as possible. So if you'd like to sponsor a lap, please go to the Inside Groove Facebook page and you can uh, scroll down. I've 
put a couple of posts up now with the form. Um, and the address, the email address to use for PayPal or Venmo, um, there, there are a couple of at uh, addresses on the form. If you look at it, you'll see the at symbol. But if you need an email to put in in order to use, I think you do for PayPal, um, then by all means, it is R-E-V, like Victor, S, Revs, Racing 99 at uh, gmail.com, I believe. Um, I've listed it in the message box of uh, the post where I put the form. So uh, the email address is there. It's on the Inside Groove Podcast Facebook page. So go check it out. Um, and uh and get those lap sponsorships in you've only got about 24 hours maybe 36 to get them in so uh let's get as many of these laps sponsored as we can and help the drivers out um and with that i will say no more because i am a terrible used car salesman so <laughs> uh i know t- i know money's tight uh but of course you know if you're a business it's a write-off um and if you're not a business and you're just a super modified fan this is a way that you can get directly involved uh with a you know as usual with lap sponsorships you get to have a message good luck to your favorite driver or whatever you'd like to say so um Use that email address. It goes directly to Mike Moore. Uh, I'm just the guy trying to keep you reminded about it because I know that uh, all of us tend to wait till the last minute sometimes. And, again, I know money's tight, but um, if you feel led and you'd like to help out, that's the way to do it. Um, Now, I want to take us back because in our last show, I started to talk about the the 1976 Port City. Um, And it really... It was for no specific reason um, that I did that, other than as we get closer to opening day at Oswego, it just felt like a nice time to go back to a particular race weekend that, again, you had some rain and then you had to run it the next day and you... Um, I think it, I, that might have been the year, actually, that we had more rain and had to run it on like a Tuesday. I can't remember um, if that was the year or not, but there was one year when I think about half of the Oswego City School District, uh, including me, got a sudden very bad onset of supermodified fever. And uh, so half the students were out, so they lost about half their state aid, and then, you know, they got mad, and Oswego said, we don't want to have to do that again, and, you know, whatever. So... <laughs> But I had a good time. Um, So in 76, if you, again, if you caught our last show, we had come off a 75 season where it was probably the most competitive season in Speedway history, in my opinion, in the sense that not only the number of different winners, which I think we had eight or nine that year, it might have been as many as 11, I can't remember. Um... But we had a lot of first-time winners. Uh, Freddie Graves won in two different cars. His 38 Roadster that he debuted in 75, which was a gorgeous car. I love that little car. And then the four-wheel drive car of Bill Height. Um, And you had probably a dozen or more cars that could win, but... More, even more so than the cars you had. I mean, it was it was the year you had all of the major. I mean, the field, the, the driver skill level was just off the charts. I mean, everybody was still racing. Nolan Swift was getting toward the end of his career, but he was still very competitive. Same with Norm Macrath. Um, Ronnie Wallace, the same. Obviously, Ronnie had his best year in 75, won the championship. You had Conium. You had Bellinger and Joya, who were just coming up the ranks. You had, um, gosh, you had uh, Jim Winks, um, Don McLaren. I mean, it was thick as thieves with some of the greatest drivers that have ever turned a lap. Kempton Dates. Uh, at the Oswego Speedway, Johnny Spencer, Gary Albritton, um, 
just an incredible year. Freddie Graves, I mean, you know, keep keep going. And so we had just come off that season. And going into 1976, we knew that Bentley Warren was coming back. He had purchased Nolan Swift's, well, Dave Snyder had purchased it for him, Nolan Swift's car from 75 um, that was debuted in 73, I think, 72, 73. Um, and so Nolan was building a new car. So, so he sold the other one. And you... You just had the sense that, you know, you had Conium, um, who eventually, uh, he started the year in the 04, but then quit to drive for his father-in-law, Doug Sire. Um, I mean, you still had all of these great drivers that were, um, were starting out the 76 season, and then we had some guys like Paige Reynolds, who was going to come in from Texas. You still had John McLaren, who would come in with his rear-engine car from Texas uh, as well. Um, so you still had that variety of cars, Eddie Thompson, I think, uh, Eddie Thompson made his debut that year, uh, in, in the, he bought the, um, uh, Ed Close car, uh, the mid engine super modified, uh, you still had Denny Wheeler racing, Scott Wilson, um, gosh, I could go on, but th- this was perhaps the best, most talented group of drivers from top to bottom that you know, you still had all the greats and you also had the atmosphere. The crowds were still incredible. Um, you had all these storied car owners that I love to talk about from the Herm Graffs, the Ralph Wissings and the Steve Millers and, you know, all of these guys, um, that just made it so special Sam Carista was still racing. The 37 car was still in action. Ernie and Bob June were were still involved. You you just, that period, 70, I would argue 73, 74, 75, 76, that period of time was even 77. Just, it was the absolute greatest period, in my opinion. Again, only my opinion. I'll let you all speak for yourselves, but... Um, for super modifieds and also for um, the modified sportsman as well. So the Port City 150 then becomes the first big doubleheader of the year. And you still have all the modified greats. Jeff Bodine was still racing modifieds. Maynard Ritchie, Jerry Cook, the Triclers. Um, Jimmy Champagne was running, of course. Uh, Ron Wallace, I think, was driving um, still, and, you know, so you had that super modified Jimmy Winks, Chuck Siprich crossed over, and there's another one. Siprich was was um, running in, in 76. You know, you, you had, um, it was just amazing. Those double headers in that period of time, my gosh, it felt like classic weekend. And so the 76 Port City 150, we talked earlier uh, on last week's show about kind of the setup to it. Um, it had rained out on its scheduled day, and um, then it uh, it got rain. I think it got rained out the next day <laughs> as well. But uh, they had a rain out program edition. We talked last last time about that with Jim Cheney on the cover and the two Nelson Powell cars because McLaren suddenly quit um, the weekend of the. Uh, of 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 the Port City, I think, and so Cheney started out the season with two super modifieds, the one and the two, and the modified number thirty um, to race as well. So let's talk about the super modified part of the race because this is a super modified podcast. So Bentley Warren has come back to Oswego, and if y'all remember. Uh, Bentley won a race at Fulton in early 76 before Oswego opened. He goes to Fulton and he wins. The car at that time was still the 10 pins. It was still Nolan Swift's, uh, you know, paint job. And, and it still was the Swift car with a wing. Well, by the time, <laughs> by the time it came to Oswego, it was slightly different. It was now number 77, and they put what looks exactly like a card table 
They replaced the roll cage with basically a card table. And that's what the car became known as to a lot of people, the flying card table. Um, And flying is the operative word. They were trying to simulate a wing, which is why they had, you know, had that high cage. And also they wanted to make it a little higher for Bentley anyway, because he's slightly taller than Nolan, I guess. So Bentley comes to the port city and the way that the race played out, it basically we didn't know that you know Bentley was was going to win, um, you know, until he ended up winning it, and he did, um, you know, and and what a race that was, you know, you passed Jimmy Champagne, um, and, and you, uh, you 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 basically beat them all, you beat. Bellinger, you beat Champagne, you beat Joya, you beat all these guys, and Bentley Warren comes back to victory lane. And this became somewhat normal for him. He won the Grand Prix that year. He won a bunch of races at other tracks. That car was one of the dominant cars that season. And keep in mind that Nolan Swift from... 1973 through the end of his career nolan swift did not sorry from 1974 to the end of his career nolan swift did not win another feature except for a race at fulton in in his final car so in the car that bentley had um nolan hadn't won since 1973 with that car he had come close a few times there was an amazing photo finish with him and norm mackrath uh, which I think was 74, maybe 75. I can't remember. And Nolan had some top three, top five runs in 75, but um, that car was kind of on a, you know, on a, on a, a dry spell in a dry spell until Bentley got a hold of it. And uh, he and Dave Kane, owner of the speed cattle one that Bentley used to drive a while back, I think late sixties, maybe. Um, Kano, as Bentley called him, put a setup under the car, and they changed some things that Nolan had, and boy, I mean, it went, it was a rocket, and remember that Richie Evans had won in that race, and the one in that car in the final race at Thompson in 75, um, so Bentley comes out and wins the Port City, uh, man, I mean, the kind of a year that he had, who knew? at that time that Bentley was going to go on to have this amazing career. Um, you know, you, all we knew was that, um, you know, at that race, he ended up winning the feature and you look at, I want to go through real quick. Cause I'm looking now at, um, the heat races. So this will give you an idea for those of you who, you know, are having trouble really kind of getting back into that period of time. Um, in the heat race, first heat race, Ronnie Wallace in the 76, he just slugs it out with Kempton Dates and Freddie Graves in the four-wheel drive car and wins. State second, Graves third, Sammy Carista fourth in the 37, Jimmy Thompson in the Orange Monster, 18 gets fifth, Jimmy Cheney gets sixth in the Powell Wimblad number one, then it was Joe Paino, Scott Wilson, Den Lichty, Gary Kelly, John Hopkins, and Burt Pitcher. Remember Fang. Uh, <laughs> uh, Burt Pitcher running with the former uh, Shamrock 13, Roy Murphy car. He had it now as the number 43. In the second heat, Denny Wheeler wins. Um, Johnny Spencer and Warren Conium hounded him the entire way. Spencer gets second, Conium third, still in the 04. In fourth, Dick Batchelder, who had taken over the 21 for Jack, uh, for, uh, yeah, Jack Tobin that year. Dutch Hogue. In the Turner Brothers, 78. Gary Reichert retired. Dutch Hogue takes over in early 76. In the Turner Brothers, this was not the convertible car. They had built the new Super in 75 for Gary Reichert. Gary steps aside. Hogue takes over the Super. He also takes over the Modified. And this is Dutch Hogue, Dean's father. 
So Dutch finishes fifth. Ronnie Graves, who had purchased the old Buckner 36 that Stelder drove up through the end of uh, 75. Um, now a dark blue number seven. He finishes in sixth. Brian Herb seventh. Jerry Buskey eighth in Steve Miller's car. Mike Cronin. How many of you remember him? He bought the Doug Duncan rear engine car. He finishes ninth. Norm Mackworth, 10th, and the Flying Five didn't have a good Port City at all. Russ Gray finishes 11th in his own number 26. This was prior to him purchasing the Dates car from Scott Wilson. That came later. And Ronnie Madison rounded out the field in his 80. Heat 3. <laughs> Listen to this stacked heat. Eddie Bellinger gets the win in the 0-2. Jimmy Champagne 2nd, and Bentley Warren 3rd. Fourth, Johnny Logan in the 35. Steve Joya, fifth in the nine. The top five could have won any other heat, but they're all in the same one, so only one guy wins. Mike Rizzo, sixth, in the still in the old Salve car at that point. Bobby Stelter in the 99, which was newly remodeled. They had purchased, that was the old Miles Barker 93. Again, could have won any other heat. He finishes, uh, I think it was, what, seventh or so. John Bush, eighth. Brad Lichty in the 84. Paul Strasser in the 33. And Tommy Leeson rounding out that particular field. Now, again, keep in mind um, that we got the heats in, and then the rains came again, so the entire... Port City 150 had to be run on Sunday, May 30th. Okay? So, um, this was, uh, at that time, if I remember right, um, that was the debut, by that time, of Warren Conium, um, in the 52, he had actually left the 04. Now, th- when it came to the rain days at the end of the month, Maynard, it rains again, but not before Maynard Troyer ends up winning the modified race. Rain shortened after 43 laps. And again, just real quick here, because we have the time and I can. <laughs> Troyer wins. Jeff Bodine second. Roger Trichler, third. Jimmy Champagne, fourth. Satch Worley from Virginia, who won a year before, uh, finishes fifth in the Clarence's Steakhouse 26 car. By the way, Clarence's Steakhouse still sponsors late models down here. Um, The rest of the field, Ron Bouchard, Dean Hogue, Billy the Kid Griffin, Gary Reddick, Lou Lazaro, Roger Griffith, Jimmy Winks, Wayne Edwards, Dale Murs, Bobby Murs, Gary Cornelius, Chuck Siprich, Barefoot Bob McCready. Remember when he used to run both services? Randy Hedger, Dick Cluth, George Kent, Dave Coteri, Dave Nichols, Larry Groover. Love that name. Siege Fidanza. Um, in, early in his career, Siege Fidanza. Ron Martin, Sonny Seaman, Norm Schmidlin, Richie Evans dropped out early. Uh, had an issue early in the race. Um, and... I think it was a head gasket or something. And uh, Donnie Croft in the 231 Gremlin rounded out the field. And so the super modified portion had to be run uh, the following Saturday. And I believe if my memory serves me, and I'm going to go look at this now, um, because I do think, let me look, um, that by the time that happened... Uh, nope, maybe not. Uh, let me go through the finish here. So, uh, again, Wallace takes the early lead. Um, Bellinger gets him. Uh, Champagne gets him. Bentley gets him. And then Bentley passes both of them and drives off and wins. <laughs> Incredible. Champagne second, Bellinger third, Wallace fourth, Spencer fifth. Now, again, the rest of the field. Den Wheeler, Chuck Siprich, who was in the 36 at that time, Brian Herb, Dick Batchelder, and Sammy Carista round out the top 10. Scott Wilson, Jimmy Thompson, Ronnie Graves, Eddie Thompson, Gary Kelly, Rex Kenny in the C-15, Jamie Moore, Mike Rizzo, Kempton Dates, Ronnie Madison, um, Norm Mackrath, 
Joe Paino, Bobby Stilter, Johnny Logan, Johnny Bush, Fred Graves in the 39, Tommy Leeson, Dan Denny, and Steve Joya rounded out the field. And I'm taking a peek at the Ivor column because, um, and I am correct, uh, Warren Conium, by the time from he, he, he finished in the top three in his heat when the Port City, on the original day of the Port City, and by the time uh, Warren, by the time the Port City Supermodified race was run uh, several weeks later, <laughs> Conium was out of the 04, Jim Winks was in it, and Conium was uh, getting ready to come out with the 52. I thought he actually made his debut at the Port City, but I guess not. Um, so, and, and also by that time, Dutch Hogue was out of the 78 because he had knee surgery and Baldy Baker was behind the wheel of the car. So just that few week period, the 04 changed drivers and the um, 78 changed drivers and the 52 went from Doug Sire to Warren Conium, um, who, of course, is Doug's son-in-law. And... Uh, also, um, the Cheney was still running for Nelson Powell, but the rumor at that time, and this is a fun aside because I didn't even remember this again, I was eight. I hadn't turned nine yet. Um, I was eight years old reading these programs and I just didn't, some of the details, that's why it's so much fun for me to have all these old programs to go back through. Um, this was from Ivor, the driver. It says, Gary Albritton will make one more attempt to find a USAC champ ride this weekend at Milwaukee. If he doesn't, it looks like he'll be back at Oswego in one of two cars. Either the number two car of Nelson Powell, so that he'll be teamed up with Jim Cheney, or he's been offered a ride in his old 75 car by its present owner, Tim Richmond Sr. Now, let's again take a trip back in time. Tim Richmond making his supermodified debut in 1976 with, again, the car that, that Dick Routh owned in 75. Gary Albritton drove to the classic win and some other feature wins. So Tim Rich and Mitchman Sr., according to Ivor slash George Curso Jr., um, was, had, had offered Gary a ride in that car. At that time, they had two roadsters. The original car that we just talked about, the 75, and a copy. And Daryl Harrison, at that point, was driving um, for, uh, I think, for them as well. Or maybe Tim wasn't racing yet. Maybe that's, uh, maybe I'm wrong about that. I think Daryl was, um, but I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, but anyway, they had two cars. They had the, 70, the old 75, which was now number 98, and a copy of it. So Ivor goes on to say, and this, this kind of blew my mind, and it's like, man, I wish this would have happened. How cool would this have been? Ivor says, I am told it is Richmond's dream for 1977 to have four roadsters competing at a Swiggo. And here's the driver lineup he wanted. Now imagine if we'd started 1977 with this group. Gary Albritton, Daryl Harrison, Todd Gibson, and Tim Richmond Jr. Yes, the same Tim Richmond that went through Supers to IndyCar, then over to NASCAR. Uh, the late Tim Richmond, that is, that is the one. Um, and, of course, Ivor says it all sounds kind of far-fetched, seeing as we haven't seen Harrison or Richmond as yet this season. Another case for seeing is believing now again just looking at this we did eventually see daryl harrison we never saw tim richmond i don't believe tim richmond ever turned a lap at the oswego speedway somebody can correct me if i'm wrong i don't recall that that ever happened but we did see daryl harrison um he ran the classic at least and i think he may have run some other shows uh, as well, I'm, I don't quite remember. But anyhow, uh, what a team that would have been. Can you imagine, in 1977, Harrison, Albritton, Gibson, and Richmond? Oh, boy. I mean, that could have been a whole lot of fun 
to uh, to watch that team, and you didn't see too many of those multi-car teams at that time. But just to give you an idea, it was it was basically three um, programs later. <laughs> it took three Eagle programs um, to. Uh, to to get the uh, Port City Super Modified race in, so that that tells you actually it took four if you count the uh, the uh, rainout edition. So it took four Eagles to get the whole Port City program in. Um, so that's I thought something stuff like that amuses me. I hope it <laughs> hope you hope it entertains some of you. It's just fun to go back and to look at some of the kind of what I would consider to be key points or key events or unique events in Oswego Speedway history, and that certainly is one of them, because um, it took so much to get through that super modified portion. It took like a month, Um, and it was just insane, honestly, um, to see Bentley come back and win, and again, who knew? Who knew what was to come for Bentley Warren? Just incredible i mean to think that that was the first race first win at oswego um back from uh usac and it launched uh the second what i would call actually the third chapter of his career the first chapter is the beginning um through to well i guess you could say first yeah the first chapter was the beginning up to indy Second chapter was Indy. Third chapter would be the comeback. And then you had this in in the books, kind of Bentley Warren book, uh, Wicked Fast, by the way. Go to Coastal 181 um, online if you want to order it. And please do order it. It's Fall Down Funny, and it's a great story. Bones Bosher did a great job. But that was... um, That was an amazing time for Bentley to come back and, and have that success. Um, and again, he had been in a bad accident too at the end of 75 at star that actually ended up, um, ended up, uh, injuring some spectators. He, he had a stuck throttle and went off the track coming out of four, I think launched in the air or whatever, and came down and, um, one guy broke both his legs and I mean, just, it was horrible. And Bentley was really beat up bad, um, and to come back in 76 and have such quick success between the Fulton win and the Oswego Port City and then went on to win a couple of other races that year at Oswego. The Grand Prix is one of them. Um, I'm looking at that program right now. Um, might be fun to talk about that on some other show. But um, I just thought it would be interesting to go back. And, you know, we, we do so much with the sort of legends and where are they now kind of idea, interviewing all of the older drivers. And um, I really th- thought it would be fun to take a look at a couple of the unique races in past history. And uh, I happened to be reading some of those programs at the time that I had the idea. So I said, well, let's start with the Port City. Um, 75 and 76, two of my favorite years at the track ever, just like I said, because of the the uh, amount of competition there was, and boy, some of the most beautiful super modifieds, and we still had, we hadn't banned rear engine jet, so we still had all of the innovation and ingenuity and all of the variety in the cars, and um, Star and Sandusky and, and Supers were out west, and they were in Texas, and, you know, I think still Florida to a degree. Um, you know, you just never knew uh, who you were going to see from week to week, and uh, gosh, so much fun back in those days. But hope you enjoyed that. Uh, so as I get ready to uh, sign off here and uh, finish preparing for uh, the trip to uh, Indianapolis in the morning, um, I really want to just thank all of you who listen to this every week. This show is so much fun. I've said it before. Uh, it's my golf game. And uh, I could talk about supers all day, all night for 24 seven. Um, and especially the seventies. I love the seventies. No offense to any other era, not saying that th- there wasn't, I mean, I could look at the eighties and the early nineties into the mid nineties, the competition that we had in that era, um, you know, and and right up to the arrow transition. Um, and then, you know, that, 
that kind of brought a whole new group of drivers into the uh, into the fold here to talk about. But um, just for me, that that ra- that particular race stuck out. So I hope that uh, I hope that it, that stirred up some some memories. And for me, it it stirs up goosebumps whenever I look at those old pictures. It takes me right back um, to being in the grandstand and then being in the pits, meeting the guys afterward. Um, so. Again, thanks to all of you who listen and share the show. Remember the lap sponsorships. If you feel led to do that, uh, form is right on the Inside Groove Facebook page. I hope that um, you will tune in to the pay-per-view, the live stream for the Indy Summer National SpeedSport.tv is, uh, I guess I should just say SpeedSport TV is doing it. Um, the uh, I will post the link directly to the broadcast once i get situated in indy and have a chance to uh uh tomorrow sometime um just go to the inside groove keep track of the inside groove facebook page um and also i think um must see uh racing tv or must see whatever their uh website is they'll probably have the link there as well so but again just uh, follow the inside groove page and we'll post it up there so everybody has it and knows how to watch it um and i'm sure somebody will circulate it if i can't get to it somebody might beat me to it to the uh inside or to the uh, super modified groups on facebook too so if you're not a member of all the super modified groups what is wrong with you <laughs> we all have a blast in there and uh so g- get involved with those and uh we're all we all try to be friendly uh we only bite and small nibbles so everyone have a great weekend supers are going to be on the track at oswego at indy the off season's over we're going racing if i don't sweat to death between friday and saturday with temperatures in the mid 90s um we will have this is my big announcement stay tuned here pay attention to this don't turn it off yet we are going to have a bonus inside groove edition i don't know what it's going to look like yet but it's going to be a bonus edition, and if if it does not, if weather's okay on Friday and Saturday and we get the show in, I am going to take Sunday. I'm going to, I'll have some interviews. Again, I don't know who, I don't know what. Try to get as much as I can. Um, Midwest, the Midwest uh, Super Modified Group has asked me to do some things for them. I certainly want to help them out. Going to try to do as much coverage as I can on my own um, through uh, Race Chaser Media and Inside Groove. Um, so, again, if you're not following the Inside Groove uh, Facebook and Twitter, Inside Groove Podcast on Facebook, and just type in Inside Groove um podcast on twitter and you'll see the logo uh, i think it's inside groove nc or something like that as the at officially but um we're on there uh so again i'll try to try to do as much as i can i don't know what my schedule is going to be but i'm going to put together the 50th inside groove show in indianapolis and it will be out if I can do it on Sunday, if, if we're done with the racing, and I can do it on Sunday in the hotel, because I'm there till Monday morning, um, I will have two shows. This one comes out Friday as usual. We're going to try to get it out a little earlier, um, if possible. But um, it will come out on Friday night. So be prepared to to listen to this. Um, and But be prepared for the bonus edition that will come out uh, over the weekend. And um, hopefully, if everything goes according to plan, I'll be able to put it together. Again, I have no idea who whose interviews. I'm not promising any specific driver. I have some guys I'm going to try to make sure that we get. But, um, you know, we'll see what we can do. And we'll pull it all together and have a nice 50th inside groove to um, to bring to you from Indianapolis which will be kind of a post-race look back at the first annual Indy Summer Nationals. So there you go. So two shows, this one you're listening to, and we'll have another one on Sunday. Um, Again, barring that uh, we need to be at the track because of rain. If we do, then the 50th show will just come out 
this this coming week. But I want to be able to do it on Sunday from Indy if we can and be as timely with all of that as possible. So uh, Camden will be obviously keeping you up to date from Oswego on Saturday's uh, practice. So you'll have all of that through the Speedway pages. And not sure if I'm going to get to bring Cam in on the 50th or not. Um, but, uh, we'll, we'll see what we can do depending on technology and situation. Uh, but, um, you know, we'll obviously have the wrap up as part of that. So, um, thank you so much again. Have a great weekend. Follow the super modifieds from both ends here. And, uh, we'll talk with you again on the 50th inside groove bonus edition hopefully, uh, Lord willing and weather permitting, uh, on Sunday evening that will come out as I uh, put it together in Indianapolis. Until then, for Camden Proud and anyone else who, all of you are sponsors, of course, uh, Jeff West and the folks from IPC Indy, uh, (coughs) excuse me, the folks from Rich Worth and the folks from JNS Paving, sorry, try not to cough at you. And uh, also, uh, of course, uh, Skip Fish Fry, Sean Cathcart and his staff. Thanks to all of them. You've been listening to Inside Groove, powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Find them on the web at www.ipcindy.com. Inside Groove is a Race Chaser Media production. For more exciting and passionate motorsport content, follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, and visit racechasermedia.com. The opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, affiliate, or marketing partners of Race Chaser Media. No part of this show may be reproduced in any manner without the expressed written consent of Race Chaser Media. Thank you for listening.